thank you once again for joining us here at Berkeley Evangelistic Association. And we want to welcome each one of you to our services today as we continue with our new series on prayer and forgiveness. Today we're going to be uh, continuing with part two of the doctrine of prayer and we'll pick up with the principle of grace in prayer. But first, we want to thank you once again for being here. Thank you for listening and being faithful and tuning us in each and every time. And we really do appreciate each and every one of you in your prayers and all your support that you offer us uh, spiritually. We, we thank each and every one of you. So before we begin, let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our study uh, on the doctrine of prayer. And like I said, we're going to pick up with the principle of grace in prayer. So let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day, Lord, that you have given us. Father, I thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon not only myself, but upon a listening audience. Lord, we thank you for your protection, your hedge, your protection that's around us that you protect us from the evil one. And Father, as we study this study on prayer and forgiveness, we pray, Father, that your spirit will open our hearts and our minds to better understand uh, the need that we have for properly understanding how to pray and how to forgive other people in order to make sure that we're being forgiven for our sins and our trespasses. Father, thank you for the blessings on this ministry. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that comes out every time to hear, Lord. I pray that you would bless them in a special way, Lord, that you would fill their needs. Bless them, Lord, with your mighty uh, blessings in your hand. Stretch out upon them, Lord, with your healing power. And Father, bless all those that are sick and afflicted. Father, I pray that you would be with each one of them in your peace and your mercy. Now be with us through this lesson today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The principle of grace and prayer. In our prayer approach, we, the believers, must be compatible in proper tune, if you will, to the place where prayer is received, which is the throne of grace or the throne of God. Since grace is a principle of prayer, we as believers cannot petition for ourselves or make intercession for others based on human merit, ability, morality, production, or service, including spiritual gift. And what that's saying is we come to pray in intercessory prayer based on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the only way we can come to the throne of grace is through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ, who once again is our high priest. While the Father God is satisfied with the work of Christ on the cross, he is no respecter of persons. Therefore, we must approach the Father from a position of fellowship. Our Lord, during the first advent, had maximum effectiveness in his prayer life. That's why the believer out of fellowship is not only weak, but has no effectiveness in his prayer life. God does not answer prayer because the believer is good, or he is moral sincere, benevolent, religious, concerned, altruistic, and talented or possessing a pleasing personality, this does not impress God. It answers to prayer is a divine decision. Therefore, the believer's popularity with others is never a factor in answered prayer. 
Now we must realize that prayer is a weapon. For any weapon to be used effectively, you must understand how it functions before you use it. Prayer must be used as a weapon. Most people blaspheme when they pray because of arrogance while praying and ignorance of how to pray. And please, uh, let me say at this point that don't take any offense to, to uh, what's being said here. I'm just telling you that uh, in a very simple way that when we don't know how to do something, we try to do it anyway. God looks at us uh, that we're doing this out of ignorance and not knowing how. And we need to ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. So the great power in intercessory prayer is in personal love. Now, my family, my wife, my children, and, and so forth, that's personal love. Those are my personal love. But for my neighbors and my friends, I have an impersonal love for them because God teaches me I love them for their well-being. It's an impersonal love. Remember also that prayer does not give you momentum. It is not a cure-all. The promise to the believer in spiritual adulthood is found in John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The important phrase is, and my words abide in you. Jesus' words are commandments commandments, and doctrine to us on how to live and react to life. But this promise is not a blank check on which we can write any amount we would like to. The key to prayer is doctrine first. When doctrine is in you, then you can ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. This doctrine is the will and the word of God, and this is acceptable, but anything outside of God's will is not possible. The more doctrine you have in you, and the more you will know how to use the weapon of prayer effectively. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. One of the signs of spiritual self-esteem is your devotion to prayer in your own life. Now we have special prayers. When we sit down for our meals and we say the blessing, giving God thanks for our food, this is a special prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Asking God specific blessings on our food should be a thanksgiving act performed by all believers. Even though the food we eat today may not be the ideal food we uh, should eat, but when we ask God to bless it for our consumption, do we not ask for a certain amount of protection? Grace before meals has twofold purpose. Number one, it's the expression of gratitude to God for his logistical grace support, which includes food. Number two, the sanctification of that food is to eliminate any potential harmful effects. Now, this doesn't mean that you can go to McDonald's and eat McDonald's hamburgers all day and um, not expect to have a higher cholesterol. That's not what that means. Now, don't misunderstand me. This meal blessing would not protect you if you consume something you know is poisonous. That's another example. This would fall into the category of tempting God or saying, this poison won't hurt me because God is on my side. This is the same type of lie 
uh, Satan told Jesus in his temptation, throw yourself off this mountain, the angels of heaven will not let you hurt yourself. There is prayer for those in authority over us. As citizens of, an, of a client nation to God, this is a very important function for believers. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, 1 and 2, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, peaceable life in all good godliness and reverence. Now point number one, verse one points out that there are certain people for whom we should express our thanksgiving to God in prayer. In addition, there is intercession on behalf of all mankind and petition for ourselves. Number two, now verse two gets uh, specific. We are commanded to pray for governmental authority and all our other authority. When you reach spiritual adulthood and impersonal love toward all mankind, this prayer really becomes effective. Having impersonal love gives you the ability to forget about the personality, the idiocy, the antagonism of others, and to actually pray for those people with whom you do not agree, who are leading our nation the wrong way, or who are damaging our client nation. Impersonal love gives you phenomenal power for such a prayer. The confidence to offer such a prayer comes from personal love for God. There is also special prayer for the sick. James chapter 5, verses 15, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There is a special prayer for the unsaved. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Paul prayed for the salvation of unbelieving Jews. Although you cannot pray that their decision will be forced, you can pray that certain things will happen to try to open their eyes to the importance of the gospel and have the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. There is special prayer for your enemies. In Matthew 5, verse 44, But I say to you, love your enemies in personal love, and bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This prayer reflects the phenomenal dynamics in spiritual adulthood from the confidence of spiritual self-esteem and the impersonal love of spiritual autonomy. There is special prayer for spiritual adulthood. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. It's called Prayer for Spiritual Wisdom. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now in Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, 
virtue, love, is competence from our personal love for God and our impersonal love toward man from spiritual adulthood. Virtue love is not only a problem-solving device used to pass momentum testing, but at the same time, it is also maximum effectiveness in prayer. This is especially true for these categories of special prayers. Wisdom and spiritual understanding are characteristics of uh, spiritual self-esteem and spiritual autonomy. There is prayer for the communication and communicators of Bible doctrine, for pastors, for teachers, for missionaries, and for evangelists. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would, uh, may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18, Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, this would be teachers of the Bible doctrine, that God would open to us a door for the word, for the doctrine or the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Now let's look at the dynamics of intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is when we pray for others. A wonderful example of this is Jesus. He comes before God the Father in the intercessory prayer for each of us. Another example was Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, verse 42-46. Here Elijah is praying for the rains to return and then in James 5, 16 through 18, he tells us to pray for one another. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a, nat a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly, and it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Also, we notice in the latter part of this particular verse is a story of Elijah as mentioned in 1 Kings 18. As we study the Bible, we see intercessory prayer used all through it. Peter was placed in prison and about to be executed. Let's look at Acts 12, verse 5. Peter was therefore uh, kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Even though Peter was chained between two Roman soldiers and Angel was dispatched and rescued Peter from prison, and Peter just stood up and walked out the door with the angel. We pray for the lost and them believing, and this is a legitimate prayer and part of the dynamics of intercessory prayer, but we must always remember we can't ask God to make them believe in Jesus, and once again, this violates the laws of God and his divine nature. God will not force himself on anyone. In Romans 10.1, we find Paul praying for the nation of Israel. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. When or if someone tells you that you cannot pray for the unsaved, don't believe them because you can pray for them. You just can't pray that God will make them believe. Chapter 17 in the Gospel of John is the intercessory prayer for the church that was prayed by Jesus himself. It is a phenomenal intercessory prayer and should be read and studied by everyone. 
Paul's intercessory prayers are seen in several passages in the Bible. Paul also said that he was the least of the apostles. He was all, always amazed at how God used him even after all the terrible things he did against the church. He called himself a wretched man, but it only shows that God can use anyone. Ephesians 1, 15-23, Ephesians 3, 14-21, and Philippians 1, 9 through 11, all these passages reflect Paul praying for the spiritual growth of those whom he prayed for. You know God also intercedes for us in prayer. We pray for our personal desires, which are enveloped in our lust patterns, of which we actually have no need, and we have acquired certain false concepts with regard to prayer and Bible doctrine. Therefore, many times both our lives and our prayers fail. For this very reason, we find our, our Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest, making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. Now in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 through 25, but he, because he continued forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. The fact that our Lord always makes intercession for us indicates that we have not completely understood the doctrine of prayer. Many times we pray under pressure or under stress and under those conditions the Holy Spirit does a better job and intercedes for us as mentioned in Romans 8, 26-27 that we discussed many times before. Many times our prayers fail because we can't concentrate. We must concentrate on Scripture, God's Word. Our faith is strengthened through the Word. In Romans 10, 17, says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We fail in prayer because we fail to absorb and utilize Bible doctrine or guidelines properly. Prayer is a part of a Christian service, and as such, prayer must comply with the doctrinal principles of Christian service. Since every believer is in full-time Christian service, even if they don't think they are, he or she should express in prayer the concepts related to that service. Therefore, his intercession for others will be divinely good rather than humanly good or dead works. The principles of Christian service apply to every prayer just as much as they do to witnessing or to the fact that your job is a part of the Christian service. Spiritual skills must precede production skills for the performance of divine uh, good in prayer, and our spiritual skills are only effective when we allow the Holy Spirit to have complete control of our spirit. So we must remember that our spiritual advancement through reading the Word, absorbing the Word, and the applying biblical back, uh, guidelines is directly related to our prayer life as a law as a part of our Christian service. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, our Lord tells Paul why prayer is not the solution to the problem. And he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities 
than the power that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 8, which preceded the one we just read, he says, And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And that's when he said his great, in uh, verse 9, he said his grace is sufficient. Then notice the correct translation from the original verse 9 above. Then he assured me for my benefit, my grace has been and still is sufficient for you, for my power is put into effect, made operational, accomplished, carried out, fulfilled in the status of weakness. This is grace orientation. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses than uh, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The thorn suffering was causing all things to work together for good in Paul's life. Paul's recognition of his human helplessness to solve the problem opened the door for the divine initiative of grace and for the problem-solving devices to do the job. The most important thing in your spiritual life is to have 10 problem-solving devices deployed. For there are no solutions to the problems of life apart from these problem-solving devices. The problem-solving devices are the system of application of doctrine to your experience. It's interesting that prayer is not one of the problem-solving devices. Prayer is not one of the problem-solving devices. Paul prayed three times that God the Father would make this thorn in the flesh, suffering, go away. In reality, he was praying that his spiritual life be weakened because the thorn in the flesh was suffering uh, for blessing to accelerate his advance to maturity. Instead of using his problem-solving devices, Paul re, uh, retreated in his spiritual life and tried to use prayer as leverage against God to get God to do Paul's will. Prayer is not a problem-solving device. Prayer is only effective in your life when the problem-solving devices are being used. When you have the problem-solving devices, you have the solution to everything. When you have the solution to every problem in life, you stop emphasizing the suffering and you rejoice in the solution. In the latter portion of verse 9, we will see, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. These problem-solving devices must function for prayer to be effective. They must be functioning for prayer to be effective. So let's look at the problem-solving devices. We'll look at number one. It's called rebound. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Device number two, the filling of the Spirit. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your own, or your most, uh, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Number three, the faith rest drill. 
Matthew 21, 22. And whatever things, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Problem-solving device number four, grace orientation. Hebrew 4, verse 16. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in the time of need. Number five, doctrinal orientation. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Number six, a personal sense of destiny. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. In whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Number seven, personal love for God the Father. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 and this I pray that you that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment problem solving device 8 in personal love for all mankind but I say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you number 9 Share the happiness of God. Philippians 1, 4. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests that you all, for you all with joy. And lastly, number 10, occupation with Christ. It says in Psalms 116, verse 1 through 2. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. So the problem-solving devices must function for prayer to be effective. Now what I'd like for you to do is not so much look at the title of each one of the devices, but look at the scripture that they're referencing there and apply them in a problem-solving bundle, if you will. And all these things have to be incorporated in order to have effective prayer. They're not complicated to, to reason with, once you look at them and give them a little bit of thought, you'll see how it all comes together that we have to be all these things in order to have an effective prayer. Now, when prayer is ineffective, prayer becomes a system of multi, uh, manipulation, of distortion, of arrogance, an instrument of legalism instead of an instrument of power and service to the Lord. That concludes part two of our lesson, The Doctrine of Prayer. And next time in part three, we'll be looking at four categories of petition in prayer. Four categories of petition in prayer. And I want to personally thank each one of you for joining me today for part two of this uh, Doctrine of Prayer. But thank you very much for listening today. I pray that you come back next time for part three. And continue to listen to us at Berkeley Evangelistic Association. And we'll have our closing prayer. We'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us and for all your blessings. Father, I pray that you be with each one and everyone that's in the sound of my voice. That's listening today, Lord, to this particular uh, subject on prayer. Father, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive and understand the discerning of the Holy Spirit. The method of teaching us to pray that we might understand we might 
grasp this in our heart all the uh, pieces of doctrine and the recipe if you will to uh, put our prayer life together so that it's effective and it means not only something to us but it m mainly means to you and pleases you and uh, is a, s a sweet fragrance to you Heavenly Father because you're the one we're, we want to please and not ourselves now be with us through this day be with all those listening on the internet. Lord, I pray for each one of them. They'll be back the next time to listen to part three. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.